it is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino at chumbacasino.com. Choose from hundreds of social casino-style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio. Hello, and welcome to Speak On It, history and genealogy conversations with Janice and Shara Connor. We invite you to join us on Thursdays at 8 p.m. for an engaging exchange with us and our special guests as we cover various topics regarding history, genealogy, and your personal family history stories. Hello, I'm Janice Skilliard. And I'm Sharakana Feliciano. Welcome to Speak On It, History and Genealogy Conversations with Janice and Sharakana. Thank you for joining us, and don't forget to find us on Facebook and Twitter. Today, we are joined by our guest, Command Master Chief Larray Fraser Baker. Command Master Chief, CMC, United States Navy, Lorraine Frazier-Breaker, was selected for the Command Senior Chief Program and then selected for CMC in 2016. Several months later, she was chosen for CMC, reporting on board the U.S. Gravely, Norfolk, Virginia, from 2016 to 2019. While assigned, she was deployed to the 6th Fleet AOR as the Standing NATO Maritime Group 1 flagship in support of NATO partnerships. CMC Baker is currently serving on board Surface Division 21, Mayport, Florida. She holds a Bachelor of Science degree with a major in workforce education from Southern Illinois University at Carbondale. Her decorations include the Meritorious Service Medal, Navy and Marine Corps Commendation Medal, four awards, Navy and Marine Corps Achievement Medal, four awards, and various unit and campaign awards. Welcome to Speak On It, Command Master Chief Lorraine Fraser Baker. Oh, uh, thank you so much, and uh, I'm honored uh, and humbled to be one of your guests uh, on your show, and I'm excited to get started. Thank you for having me. Awesome. Thank you for being here. So, yeah, we'll just go ahead and get started. So, first question is, um, so what led you to join the United States Navy? And do you have or did you have family members who were in the military? Um, Yes. So, uh, ironically, what what the decision for me to join the Navy was uh, my best friend in high school at the time. um, She had spoken to uh, a Navy recruiter, and they told her that uh, at the time there was a program called the Buddy Buddy Program. Uh, So, she could join with her a buddy or a friend, uh, so we could join the Navy together. Um, we would pick the same job. We would go to boot camp together, and potentially our first command we could go to together. Um, so she 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 mentioned it to me, and I thought that that was a you know a, a, an opportunity um, because I I knew that I was going to have to pay for college. Uh, so so I thought that was a good opportunity. So uh, needless to say. Um, I joined the Navy in December of 1994, and she, to this day, never joined the Navy. 
Um, but, you know, I, yeah, there's there's no ill will for that. Um, I, I actually, you know, kind of thank her for it because if she hadn't mentioned it to me, I don't know um, if I would have ever joined the Navy. Um, I, I actually, you know, it definitely was not a, a regret in any way. Um, I, I enjoyed all the time I served in the Navy. Um, it, it was always, it, it was at first only going to be, um, I was going to do four years, uh, you know, serve my country, see uh, see the world, and uh, get some college money, and then get out and, mm-hmm. and you know, do something after that. But uh, 26 years later, I'm still here. So, you know, I enjoy what I'm doing. Wow. Um, yeah. And if uh, family members uh, who served in the military, absolutely. Uh, my father, Howard Frazier, um, he is a retired um, aviation machinist mate chief. And uh, he served, I believe, around 22 years. Um, so he was in the Navy. Um, my grandfather, uh, my grandfather, uh, Major Mayfield, uh, my mother's father, he served in the Navy as a Navy steward. He served just for a couple of years. Um, but every time I go home, I uh, go home to visit him. That's always one of the first conversations we have is, you know, his time he served in the Navy on the ships he served. And you know, what I'm doing now and, you know, how far I've come. And I, I always send him a ball cap at the command where I'm at. Um, and I always send him, you know, all kind of the, the Navy, the Navy gear so that he still represents. Uh, I know he enjoyed his time that he served. Um, and then also on my father's side, my father's father, he served in the army. I'm not for sure how long, um, but he served in the army as well. Um, and I have a few cousins, um, um, I have a few cousins that served in the that served in the Navy and retired. Uh, Tamika Adels, she is a retired YN one, um, and I have a few other cousins. So yeah, I have a, and and also my aunt and uncle, aunt uh, my aunt Karen Pearson and Phil Pearson. They're both retired from the Air Force um, E sevens, and wow. I have a few other family members. Yeah, so I think we we have almost every branch covered. <laughs> that is heavy duty mil- like military in your family. It is. It so is. Um, in our previous um, discussion, we, we um, discovered that you actually have mariners and blackjacks um, in, in your family. And I, as far as history, I thought that was really interesting. Um, and you shared with us how much you liked being on the water and, and, and serving and, and being out to sea. Um, please share some of the specialized training you received as much as you are permitted to do. Yes, um, as you said, yeah, I, I do uh, love being at sea. I, I don't think my family loves me being at sea, but I, I love being at <laughs> sea. Uh, it's very calming and peaceful. Uh, we do a lot of work out there, and, and you know, we, we do a lot of the country's work, and, you know, we just go out there and do what we need to do, but it's also nice to go out um, on the flight deck and look at the ocean and, you know, watch a sunset or watch a sunrise, or if you're just having a not a great day, you just go out and you get some fresh air and, and you look at, you know, what God has created and you're just out there floating in it, um, kind of doing your mm-hmm. job. But, um, but yeah, so some of the specialized training I had when I, of course, I went to boot camp. That was uh, from December of 1994 till about February of 1995. Um, so that's just the normal kind of, this is the military training and, you know, that, that type of training. And after that, I went to a service school, which uh, when I joined the Navy, I joined as a storekeeper. Um, so that is, um, I deal with the inventories and financials, um, ordering parts, ordering materials, uh, different types of um, organizational clothing like uniforms, um, all the way to fuel to um, 
also um, just the various machinery and equipment used to fix like the ships and aircraft that I have been a part of. So I went to school to learn the basics of that job. Um, and a little, a little, uh, a little longer after I joined, I also went to a specialized school to learn to handle hazmat, hazardous material, um, how to handle uh-huh. it, show it, manage it. Um, so I went to school for that. I also went to another, we call it a C school, or they're like a more specialized school to um, handle coastal effects. So, uh, you know, I have a, um, a certification, I guess you could call it, where I could work in the post office on a ship or potentially on shore with, of course, some refresher training because it's been a while since I've done that. But um, so to handle mail, uh, you know, mail, people's personal mail, received mail, official mail, registered mail, classified mail, all of that. And then I also went to another school for um, to operate the various supply systems that we have on the ship. Um, so that's really the 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 storekeeper side, but more on the command side um, or kind of mm-hmm. admin. I did have to go to school once I was selected to be a command senior chief and then a command master chief. I did have to go to um, a two-week school on kind of how to be a command master chief, I guess. Not how to be, but to give us a little more of the fine print and give us like a good toolbox to go out to our first commands with um, for that information. Um, I've also attended um, an executive leadership symposium. So that's where all mass, uh, command master chiefs are. And they give us the glimpse if, if we may have the opportunity to serve for an admiral. They're, you know, one-star, two-star, three-star, four-star admiral. Um, so it just gives you the opportunity to see what that position would entail um, and the different demands right. of that job. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so just, just kind of nothing really top secret, but more so uh, just <laughs> on how to manage supply, all forms of supply. I just say I'm like maybe the Navy's personal shopper or personal buyer. But um, so that side, and then when I became a command master chief, it was more a broad scope of, of more um, – human resources and um, career management, retention, um, you know, um, conflict resolution, that type thing across, you know, a little broader scope. And was that for about, I think you you said, I wrote 400, 300, but was it close to 700 people? Uh, Well, on the ship that I just left, um, ship's company, so ship's company are the people that are stationed on board that ship. 24-7, 24-7, all the time. It was a little, probably about 410 um, sailors okay. on board. And we could also uh, embark, which means we will uh, bring on Marines and other folks that complement them. So we could embark okay. up to 600 more. So we could hold 1,100, is that right? 1,000, a, a little over 1,000 um, okay. sailors and Marines on board. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of perfect ties into the next question, which is a two-part question. So, you know, what has your experience been leading teams on various ships um, for over 25 years with, like, some of the highlights and challenges and rewarding encounters and so forth? And then part two to that is, you know, you've served in Virginia, Guam, Italy, Hawaii, South Carolina, Florida, all over the place. So is there a location that stands out the most for you? And if so, why? Okay, um, so uh, leading teams uh, on various platforms, um, um, it, it, after being in, I, I served in rate or as a storekeeper for 20 years of the Navy. So I think leading, I kind of had that 
an idea of my leadership style, so then become a command master chief and leading a, a bigger number of people. Um, it, it, mm-hmm. I feel for me it just kind of boils down to the support that I give, um, the support to the sailor, um, support to the sailor's family, um, the support to their friends, uh, whether that support be um, the, the, you know, I'm here to support you and back you up and um, kind of like your cheerleader or, you know, just there for them, whatever they need. Um, all the way to the opposite end of the spectrum of, you know, support as in discipline. If, if, something, if they're not doing something correctly, then, you know, that, that discipline is offered or a course correction or maybe, you know, something a little more aggressive, you know, but mm-hmm. support on both sides um, and just really trying um, to be a consistent leader um, day in and day mm-hmm. out and, and kind of uh, maintaining like a neutral uh how do I want to put it? like a neutral personality or a presence, that's the word, neutral presence. We say presence on the deck place, which means you're just out and about in your command. Um, so it's like a mm-hmm. neutral presence on the deck place. So that I want to be available, you know, if a sailor needs anything, you know, from something at work or maybe something is really wrong with their family and they, they need somebody to help them, that's what I'm kind of there for to help steer them. So um, it has absolutely been wow. a little bit of a challenge. I think we've talked before, you know, just being um, an African-American female um, and, right. and being a rare person, a rare, a rare demographic in my field. Um, sometimes, mm-hmm. you know, get the challenges of, you know, maybe she doesn't know what she's doing or we're going to, or maybe because she's a lady, we're going to try to, you know, we're going to strong arm or we're going to push her over, you know, because there'll be many times where I'm sitting in the room and I'm maybe the only female in the room. Um, or maybe the only person of color in the room. So I always want to mm-hmm. be like a professional um, and, and at the end of the day lead with, with my qualifications and not that maybe something was given to me. But um, so, you know, I just, just finding that balance in my my way to, to lead. I usually say, you know, I look different and I lead different, but I get different results and they're good results. Um, mm. So I yeah, so I, I, you know, I just really I like that. focus on leading my way and not how, you know, I, ha- I do have other female, African-American females that are also command master chiefs, and they lead different than I do. You know, we all lead different, so it's just realizing that everyone may lead um, different, but as, as long as the command is successful and your sailors are taken care of, um, that's what's important. Right. That's a great and, a great answer. You're welcome. And um, as far as the location, um, you know, when you list them all out, I don't realize I've been stationed all those places. And then when you hear them back, it's, <laughs> it's, it's a lot. Um, but my favorite is, um, and my family's favorite is Italy. Um, I was stationed there from 2002 to 2005. Um, and my husband and I, we had just got married maybe two years before we got stationed over there. So Italy was mm-hmm. great. Um, at first, we, we, we were a little bit of a culture shock because it's not exactly like the vacation that Wheel of Fortune shows you. Um, so when we got there, there was you know, a, lot of, a lot of trash piled up on the highways. And um, Naples is definitely like the New York of Italy where it's really just the culture oh. and you know, everything is really moving fast and furious, and it may not be the cleanest, but that doesn't mean it's not, not great, you know. Um, it's just a city. And so it, it was it was really good. And, uh, but we lived in Gaeta, which is uh, right between Naples and Rome. Um, this is well before social media. I would have posted all over the place. But, uh, you know, we would get up on <laughs> that days and say, like, hey, what do you want to do this weekend? Like, well, let's go to Rome. 
So we would get on the train. Um, you could buy a train pass or, or a public transportation ticket, and you could get on anything from a train to a subway, and it lasted you for the whole day. So we could literally go wow. to Rome for maybe $12 a piece um, and just walk around and see, you know, see um, the Colosseum and go to the Vatican and, and all of that. So we really, really enjoyed Italy. The food was great. The people were amazing. Like the culture was just really nice. It was a very family-oriented slowed down maybe like America in like the 50s and 60s where it's a little more family time and you know just a slowed mm-hmm. down time where you really appreciated your family and you know really took the time to be with them so yeah so that would be one place if, if you know that was ever offered it would be like a, a pause moment <laughs> but yeah it mm. mm-hmm. beautiful memories mm-hmm. okay So in 2016, you were selected for the Command Senior Chief Program, and you were also selected to become Command Master Chief of several ships. Please share with our listeners what a Command Master Chief entails and what your career experience is like to paint a picture. Also, historically, do a large number of women hold this position? And I have to tell you the little bit that I do know um, about being a Command uh, Master Chief. I'm very, very impressed with your credentials. (laughs) <laughs> oh, thank you. Um, so, yeah, so uh, being a command master chief really entails, um, I am the liaison to the commanding officer, uh, who is our captain of the ship or the command. I'm the liaison to the commanding officer on any issues dealing with the crew. Um, that could be from, like, a, uh, their personal well-being, something work-related, their family, um you know, any anything at all from, you know, something great, like they got a promotion or, you know, something really awesome all the way down to um, they may, may get an AMCROSS message in the middle of the night and we're underway and I need to go find the sailor and deliver not great news to them, maybe about a family member. Um, so, you know, mm-hmm. I, I handle, I, I take part in all of those things. So I'm kind of the captain's right hand, if you will, on enlisted and sailor issues as a whole. Um, yeah, I really call it a random job because I think being in the Navy for uh, 20 years, because there is a time in service um, required to put in for the program, so you at least mm-hmm. have to have 18 years of service, and that's kind of to say, okay, in 18 years, you should you probably have seen quite a quite a bit to be an effective um, command master chief, you know, to just kind of lead right you know, a different group of people, you know, 18 years of leadership experience should um, help you out with that. Um, So, yeah, I really just say my job is very random and very fluid. Um, I can have my plan for tomorrow laid out for me, and I'll walk in the door and, you know, walk onto the ship and something completely, you know, the captain needs something else or something else has happened, and everything I have planned gets wiped off the plate and I attack, you know, whatever it is that needs to get done for that day. Um, so it's really, I, and I always say I, I don't own my day. You know, when I go to work as the command master chief, I'm, I'm at service to the crew. I always tell them I work for you. I work for the commanding officer and I work for the executive officer, but I also work for every member of the crew. So if they need something, they know they can come to me and I'll do my best to, to handle it, you know, get it handled for them. Um, let's see. So so I think it, it entails to be a command master chief. I think you, you just need a a broad scope of leadership opportunities, um, or at mm-hmm. least if not a broad scope, maybe at different levels, you know, at a smaller command, at a medium command, at a large command, just so you 
have a variety of issues, good, bad, and different, that come to you so you know how to handle them. And then you also know, like, the resources available to you and the sailor so you can get that sailor what they need, um, you know, as quickly as possible. Um, are there, are also, there a lot of women that hold this position? Um, not a lot. You know, so of of the command master chiefs in the, in the Navy, there are a little over 800 of us, give or take. Just depends on who's retired and, and all that other stuff. So it's about 800, and of that 800, less than 10% are female. So right around 80s, high 70s, 80s. And of that 80, you know, then an even smaller number are, are women of color. So we are I am I am and any woman serving in the Command Master Chief program, we, we are a minority as a whole and, and like usually like they usually say like a unicorn. But um and I've been told that a few times. I like we all know, you know, we live in our skin our whole life as, as black women, so it's not new to us what we are, you know, who we are, but um sometimes it really presents people will say, Oh wow, I've been on a lot of ships on the east coast and you're the first black female C and C I've seen you know, so it's like, oh, wow. Or, you know, a sailor may tell you, oh, well, you're the first uh, female CMC I've had in the Navy. You know, so it's, it, it, you know, mm-hmm. sometimes it's that way. Um, and I'm like, oh, wow. Well, hey, hopefully I hopefully I, uh, I set a good standard. <laughs> and I would have been so We're tempted to say, I might look different, I lead different, and you're going to follow yeah. the rule. No, okay, I'm sorry. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yep. <laughs> So, okay, at this time, we're going to take a short break, um, and we'll be right back with more with CMC Lorraine Baker. Hello, and welcome to Speak On It, history and genealogy conversation with Janice and Shara Connor. We invite you to join us on Thursdays at 8 p.m. for an engaging exchange with us and our special guests as we cover various topics regarding history genealogy, and your personal family history stories. And we are back, and uh, Shara Khan is going to share our next question. All righty. So we understand that you were uh, in charge of the release ship um, that that was sent to uh, support and release immediately after the uh, earthquake in Haiti. Can you share your experience um, on that ship? Yes, yes. That was uh, a very uh, unique opportunity. I'm serving on an amphibious ship, which uh, the ship I I was on was the USS Arlington, LPD-24. So the LPD stands for Amphibious Transport Dock, or, you know, we're a warship that embarks, transports, and lands elements of a landing force uh, for expeditionary warfare missions. So that's the official title. And also tucked in there is we do uh, disaster relief as well, just due to the uniqueness of our ship and being able to embark all of all of the different commands and the different equipment to uh, help out in a disaster. Um, so, yes, yeah, so we were, at, we were absolutely um, selected to go down to Haiti and uh, support with the relief down there. Um, like I was sharing with you ladies before, um, on the Arlington and on USS Arlington in August, um, we were already out to sea for almost three weeks for, you know, a pretty aggressive exercise. And we were notified 
on a Monday morning that we were selected as the, we call it a discus ship, which is the um, defense authority, defense authority of civil affairs. Um, so we were mm-hmm. selected to go down and support on a Monday morning. Um, so we pulled in that, we pulled into Norfolk, Virginia, um, around 1600, around 4 p.m. in the afternoon. And we had wow. to unload in less than 24 hours. We had to unload um, Marines, uh, a small contingent of Marines. We unloaded um, a helicopter squadron with two helicopters um, and all their gear and parts that they needed. And then we also uh, embarked uh, the fleet surgical team. So they they came with doctors, surgeons, um, some nurses, a lot of corpsmen who would be like physician's assistants um, and a lot of mm-hmm. other medical supplies. Um, in case when we got to Haiti, there was some, you know, medical attention that needed to be um, addressed. Um, so we got all those folks on board in less than 24 hours, and we got back underway the following day at around, I said, we put, right before the 24-hour mark hit, we were back out on the ocean, um, and we went down towards North Carolina, uh, near Moorhead City is where we embarked um, the rest of the Marines, and we also embarked an LCU, which is another small craft that we bring into the well deck. Um, so we kind of, like I told you before, we kind of, we call it ballasting down, but if you think of like a pickup truck and they let their bed mm-hmm. down in the deck, right. and then you let water, you let water kind of flood in, and then we bring in maybe another little pickup truck and they sit in the back and then we close the gate. And uh, so then we, that's kind of what we did as uh, on the ship. We, we balanced it down. We took on uh, some Marines and some LCU and a lot of gear to support whatever. We didn't know what we needed to, to support or what it was going to look like. So we just brought a little bit of everything. Um, mm-hmm. And then we, we, tra- we transited down to Haiti. Uh, we got on station um, in less than, we, we were on station within a few days. Um, so we were on station in Haiti where they needed us. And um, in the beginning, we we just we served as a lily pad um, because in Port-au-Prince at that um, at that dock and at that airport, they didn't have a lot of they had only like one or two uh, options for fuel. So a lot of times there was to think about, you know, a disaster. There's a lot of folks lined up at the gas station for gas. So there were a lot of right. aircraft waiting to get gas at Port-au-Prince. So us on USS Arlington, we had enough fuel to support so we could land aircraft on board our ship, refuel them so they could go back out and help deliver the aid. So that went on for a couple, about a week and a half or so. Um, and there were also other ships out there. We, there was a British ship and a few other ships that were um, out also supporting their relief um, efforts. Um, and maybe about halfway through, there was, a, a decent group of a decent amount of aid that needed to be delivered and and you know I'm sure if, if people are familiar with what the landscape of Haiti looks like they we call it the claw because if you think of like a crab claw or like mm-hmm. you know like a Pac-Man um, so Port-au-Prince right. is in the middle Pac-Man kind of in the middle piece um, and that's where all of the hate while the aid was and we they needed to get it out to another part of Haiti I believe it was Jeremy which is on the out mm-hmm. the lower outside edge of that kind of Pac-Man or the claw. Um, so mm-hmm. every time they tried to take it by land, it was kind of getting ambushed because people really needed aid. 
Um, but the people that really needed it kind of on the far out stretch weren't getting it. So we used our LCU, the, the small boat that we brought in for our well deck. So we, we launched that into um, Port-au-Prince and they loaded everything up that they could and they brought it back to the ship. Um, and then at that time, um, you know, while we were out there assisting, a lot of sailors don't always realize what we're doing because we're just busy keeping the ship sailing, keeping the ship busy, keeping sailors fed, lights on, water's running, all that good stuff. Um, so there was an opportunity for 50 sailors and Marines to get on the LCU and ride in with it to Jeremy to help deliver the aid to the Haitians, um, kind of, you know, get it off that boat and onto land. So um, 50 sailors and Marines went ashore, um, and when they came back, they, they just were really, um, really humbled and really um, glad that we could help, and they were happy that they could personally help deliver that aid to people that really needed it. Um, really, it, and it really just kind of hit home at what kind of state Haiti was in at that time, and even even, you know, that, that it was going to take a while for them to even get back to anything close to normal. Um, and then the aid right. that we delivered, you know, we you think, oh, man, aid is going to be like fresh fruits and vegetables, but no, it was um, mostly rice or dry goods, rice and um, like uh, like soup bases and vitamins like that were within in the rice or they could be mixed into the rice and Pedialyte kind of things that could last and, you know, if they got meat or something else to add to it, that would be great. But at, a, at least they had, you know, that staple mm-hmm. for that couple of months. So, yeah, that it was just a really humbling experience. As I said, I've been in the Navy for um, a long time. And um, usually when we do deployments, we have the opportunity to do a community relations project, which is like a volunteer thing um, in another country. But this was the first time that I was able to, you know, participate in a, you know, a relief to, to help with disaster relief. And it was just really, you know, kind of, kind of awestruck and kind of humbling, like, wow, okay, the Navy also helps with disaster. You know, we, we, we do a little bit of everything. So it was a nice, it was a great experience. Um, it's one that I won't forget. And I know that the sailors on board won't forget it. And, and I know the Haitians there won't forget it either. Cause we were there 10 years ago when they had the earthquake party, not us specifically, but, the Navy was there mm-hmm. 10 years ago when the earthquake hit before, um, and one of the ladies spoke with um, the civilian aid workers and said, you know, the Navy and you were here 10 years ago, and now you're here again. So we know that the Navy and the United States are partners. So, Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. You're welcome. That's powerful. You are now deployed in Mayport, Florida. What's next I for am. you? Um, so I'm super excited to be back in Florida. Um, my This is what I call home. My dad lives here. My um, my husband, Rick, and uh, his his family lives right across the border in Georgia. So, you know, this is home for us. My mom, Laura, she always visits when she can. Um, so this is just home for us, and it's just really exciting to be home um, and just kind of settle in and getting ready for what's next. But what's, what is immediately next is uh, – my new command, and I will be at Surface Division uh, 21, and we will, I am, will be somewhat like their ISIC, and ISIC, which is the Intermediate Superior in Command over the LCSs, and the LCS is a littoral combat ship, and they're small surface vessels um, designed for operations near shore, like either near the United States, or we have a few LCSs that are deployed out on the West Coast, like near Bahrain and Singapore and, and that type of stuff. But they're 
They're fast and agile ships. They're comparable to maybe like a Coast Guard cutter, like a little bit bigger mm-hmm. than that. So, um, so yeah, so I'll be the, the ISIC um, assisting um, about four or five LCS ships and their leadership, and, you know, what they need help with, sailor issues or anything like that. So like I said before, it's kind of like, yes, I was working in Target on my last ship, you know, managing this, but now I kind of step one more level up and I get to manage maybe four or five Targets. So I get to kind of oversee, you know, what everybody's doing. And if they need assistance with something, then I'm there to help them along with their command senior chiefs or command master chiefs. So then I've kind of had the experience, and now I can offer some guidance to them because where this will be my third tour, at third time being a CMC, this may be their first. So I get to kind of mm. mentor them guide them a little bit. So I'm really excited for that. And then, as I said, also, uh, my Commodore is a uh, female captain. Um, and so I'm excited to work um, for her. This would be like my first opportunity to work for a uh, female commanding officer or here in this in this situation, a female Commodore. Um, she has probably been in the right. Navy about as long as I have. So again, it's pretty, it's pretty awesome for her, especially um, on the officer side and being a surface warfare officer. That is you think I'm rare, they're almost as rare if not a little more rare. <laughs> you know, just the, the military and the Navy is just a male-dominant um, organization. Right. Um, so not to say that it's, it's you know, oh, no, they don't want women. It's just it's just, it's just what it is. So it's good when right. there are some girls that, that, that push through and, you know, we make it a career or, we you know, we, we continue to strive forward. So, yeah, so that and then. Then we'll see, possibly retirement or, you know, it's leaning a little more towards that, but we will see. You know, I always um, stay as long as my family supports me um, and I enjoy what I'm doing. I will keep doing it. So, um, yeah, as long as my family supports me, I will absolutely. And my support, of course, is uh, Rick. Uh, We've been married for 22 years, and then my son, he's 12. So, you know, that's absolutely what's important for, to me and, like, what I do all of this for is for them. So, yeah. I have oh, to tell beautiful. you, you represent very, very well. I'm so proud of you. We are so yeah. proud of you. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> so can you share some parting words and wisdom, um, you know, anything inspiring with our listeners uh, before you go? Um, I, I, I think I was trying to think – I. I would just say, you know, um, the military isn't always a bad choice. Um, if somebody is <laughs> not sure what they want to do, um, you know, sometimes the military gets a bad name, um, especially women or people of color. Um, but, you know, if it, if you if you're in high school and you're like, man, I don't know if college is for me, you know, I would offer the military. Um, you can do three or four years. You, you you get a lot of benefits for your service to your country. You get, you know, some college benefits. You, of course, you get veteran benefits. Um, you know, and in the long term, if you stay longer, then, of course, there are definitely more benefits to it. Um, I would like to think that, you know, there's really no glass ceiling um, in the military, but sometimes there, there there are barriers. But for the most part, most most things are fair. And if they're not, you know, they, there's ways to work on that. But I would offer the military, um, if somebody's in college and you know, they're like, well, I'm not sure what I'm going to do after college or college is getting expensive. I don't know how else I'm going to pay for this. Um, I would also say, hey, consider the military as well. Um, you can go in as an officer, um, but you would mm-hmm. need to talk to officer recruiters for that. And there are definitely benefits and, you know, ways to have your college help 
pay for, or maybe you have to finish college. Either way, um, but but you know there are also benefits there. And not if it's not the Navy, you know the Air Force is another great one. Uh, the Marine Corps, uh, the Army, the Coast Guard, which is one that not a lot of people always realize. The Coast Guard is a great opportunity. They're not necessarily the military. They do fall under the Department of Justice, if I'm not mistaken. They mm. used to fall under DOD, but I think they're DOJ now. Um, and then, of course, Army National Guard. So there are a lot of opportunities. So I, I would say do that. And I would just say, you know, no matter what you do in life, you know, believe in yourself. And, um, you know, I, I the the 19-year-old Ray Frazier that joined the Navy um, never thought she would be uh, a Master Chief or a Command Master Chief and has served almost 27 years in the Navy um, and be where I'm at. Wow. So, you know, take a chance on yourself. Um, you are stronger than you know, and you can absolutely – push through a lot more than, than what you think. So, yeah, so go for it. And if you have questions, ask, you know, just because someone is sitting in a position and they don't look like you, that doesn't mean you can't be sitting there yourself. So ask questions and, and seek the help and, and make somebody give you the answer and then go for it. And you've been so that humble, but she's running the ship. She's in charge and running the <laughs> ship. <laughs> you know, it's so funny. It's so funny. I was leaving um, my command, and I had a young sailor. Um, she was she was talking to me, and uh, she was she's actually from um, where is she from? Oh, it's escaped me now. I want to say Guatemala, but it's not there. Um, she she's uh, so she was she's a little older, but she told me she's like, oh, Master Chief, I really look up to you. And sometimes I'll have meetings where the captain is talking to the crew, and of course I'm always there, and you know for if he has questions and then I'm just always there with him. And, um, and the, they asked the captain something and, and I don't remember it, but the captain said, well, if Master Chief lets, lets me do it, I'll do it. And so she was so tickled by that. She was like, CMC, when the captain said, if CMC lets me do it, I'll do it. She said, oh, my goodness, all the girls looked. And we all, I was like, really? She said, yes. You know, so, you know, it's just um, – you know, there, there's a lot of things and a lot of people, like, looking up to you, no matter what you're doing. If you're you're working just a normal nine-to-five or you're in school or you have a career, you know, people are looking up to you. They definitely are. So don't don't think what you're doing is, is not worth it. it. It absolutely is. And somebody is looking up at you and maybe admiring you and figuring out how can they be where you are. Oh, that's amazing. That's, those are great, inspiring words. Wow. <laughs> yes, Aww. yes. Command Master Chief Baker, thank you so much for sharing with us and our listeners, and we wish you much on your next assignment for sure. Thank you so much for having me. I was really, really humbled that you asked me for this. So so thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. Thank you for being here. And if you want to ask uh, Commander Master Chief Baker a question, you can contact us on our Facebook page, and we are happy to forward your questions over to her. We thank you for joining us. Uh, we look forward to sharing with our listeners during our next segment of Speak On It. Speak On It is a podcast and is immediately available to listen to at your leisure. Speak On It is sponsored by Bernice Bennett of Research at the National Archives and Beyond Blog Talk Radio. Thank you.
Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.